Hi, I'm Christos Gage, writer of Superior Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, and Spider Island, and you're listening to The Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon, they'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandoned. The Amazing Spider-Talk, the Amazing Spider-Talk, come swing Hello and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Hiya, Dan. I'm Mark Chinacchio, and I'm founder of the Chasing Amazing blog. And I'm also an editor at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, though you would never know because I'm never on the site anymore. Well, hiya, Mark. Hiya. <laughs> it feels like it's been a while since we've done one of these. so It's been a lot. Has anything happened lately? Uh, I have nothing that I can think of. Okay. All right, well, everybody, thanks for joining us for the second episode of our coverage of Amazing Spider-Man, Dead No More, The Clone Conspiracy. There's that title. <laughs> there we go. Uh, we hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, and for this episode, we will be discussing... Amazing Spider-Man, Dead No More, The Clone Conspiracy Number 2 by Dan Slott and Jim Chung. Discussing your emails and participating in some Swarms B title reviews. Um, Dan, why don't you set us up with one of your awful transitions? You know what? I'm going to actually like cede my time here to say the full title of the book that we're reviewing. And the book we're about to review is It's the Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man, Dead No More, The Clone Conspiracy Number 2. And what's the title of this story? Actually, there isn't one. Well, Dan, here we are, part two of uh, Clone Conspiracy, Dead No More, et cetera, et cetera. This, this, this storyline seemed to take a very unexpected turn this time around. I mean, do you want to give us a little quick quick summation of uh, what we got in this issue before we get into dissecting it? Yeah, I guess so. The issue starts off with Kane the, uh, back and in his red suit, his scarlet spider suit. Um, running from what seems to be a zombie horde of Horizon University students and teachers, including Max Modell, um, before he wakes up out of a dream. I guess the whole thing was a dream. And he's talking to some off-screen character that needs to be fed, and he's apparently working with someone else. Then we go back to the Dr. Octopus fight between Spider-Man and uh, – I guess and Dr. Octopus, where we get all the exposition about how Dr. Octopus came back. And uh, and we find out about the man in red's real plan, which involves 
cloning all of Spider-Man's villains and controlling them using pills so that they don't do bad things. Uh, and then we find out that the Gwen from the previous issue that did not set off Spider-Man's Spider-Sense is, in fact, Spider-Gwen from... I forget what her is it. Is it Earth sixty five? Is that her I think universe? It's, I believe it is sixty five. Yes. There you go. And um, they escape, um, and then the book concludes with uh, Kane pulling up to Horizon University with the clone Gwen in the trunk of his car, uh, webbed <laughs> into the trunk of his car. You know, like you do, and uh, and he holds up an ominous warning that it is not the man in red. I guess per se, who destroys the Earth. It is Peter Parker's union with him. Uh, and I'm guess the, I guess the implication is that if these clones don't take their pills, they become these zombie people. So does that sound like a decent summary of, of this issue, Mark? Well, it's a summary. There you go. I guess, I guess it's up to our review to determine how decent it was. All right. So uh, <laughs> we talked about what happens here in this issue. Uh, I think some things that we weren't quite expecting. Mark... How did it sit with you? Um, well, I mean, if I could offer kind of like an, uh, uh, an overall thing, I mean, you know, there's a part of me that feels like even though we've been getting set up for months about Dead No More and Clone Conspiracy, the actual like hook of this story beyond um, the return of all these dead characters really was unclear to me. Like what was what was the story actually going to be about? And. I feel like that got revealed to an extent here, and it, and, and it sounds like we're, we're we're you know we're we're playing another kind of multiverse alternate timeline thing, you know, one of these Doctor Who esque storylines that that Dan Slott is notorious for, and and I don't know, I mean, is this does does this sound like you want to strap in and get on board for it, Dan, because I I've kind of been lukewarm to a lot of the prior versions of this story that we have gotten from from Dan Slott. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I mean, I think for me, I, I thought this issue was really disappointing, and it, and and I don't think that there's anything in it that's like inherently like bad per se. It just really has not moved the dial for me in terms of giving me a reason to get excited about it. Um, I th- and I think that lies, you know, most uh, specifically in the fact that I don't really understand the personal hook here for Peter Parker or Spider-Man. Like, I, w- when you say the word clone to me, or you tell me that you're bringing back all of his loved ones, I think, wow, I'm going to get a really interesting, personal, grueling story for Peter to deal with. And... The idea of reading about zombie hordes, which I'm guessing is the carrion virus. Yeah. Uh, um, and like alternate universe Peter Parkers, whether we see them or not, um, it ju- that just doesn't really excite me. I was, I was hoping for more, you know, uh, something more in the line of what we got in the backup story last issue, this kind of personally grueling. Stuff and maybe we'll get it in the future, but I don't think this issue shows any indication of that. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. We 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 can return to that, but but you know, to to agree to your larger point, I mean, you know, I think part of what made the backup story so interesting, and I I 
believe I said this at the time as well when we were talking about it a couple weeks ago, was that, you know, it opens up a lot of different narrative possibilities with with Peter when he's essentially being forced to face a mistake with with new information attached to it. Um, You know, obviously his inability to save Gwen Stacy in Amazing Spider-Man 121, it's, it's, it's his second biggest failure. And, you know, I felt like revealing that new information regarding her knowledge of him as, as Spider-Man, as being Peter, Spider-Man was Peter, et cetera, um, really kind of elevated things a bit. And I guess we could still return to that. And, and, but it was, it seemed to be setting up, like you said, this very like, dark introspective story of peter having to face his failures and 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 you know where does he go from here and how does he bounce back from this and i mean there's even a solicit that calls it what the darkest spider-man story ever right yeah Uh, yeah. um and um instead we're kind of getting like this this time stream zombie-esque flimflam that um I, like like you said, this it's not it's not remotely what I feel that this story was being set up to be, and 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 I don't know what to do with that. Um, I, I, kinda... I, I think that like I, I don't know I don't want to speak for you, but for me it's like almost like a personal choice. Like like those things are fine. Like if you want to do the Spider Man multiverse stuff, you know, do it. You know, and but for me. It's it's all, like everything that showed up in this issue is like all the stuff the the other Spider-Man heroes like Gwen and Kane and the multiverse stuff. It's all the stuff that's been introduced during Slant Dan Slot's run that I'm like specifically not a fan of. Right, and even like you know, oh, I have this newspaper headline from the future. I, it, like you know what I mean? Like like you know, like we we have to change the time stream. I mean, like it, it, it's it's you know, I, I I'm not trying to be overly glib, but it's like you know, can can Dan Slot go more than a month without going to the Doctor Who? Well, I mean, like it's it's really becoming a joke to me, and and I think that's that's more of my dissatisfaction with it it's i mean you could say personal preference or not personal preference i mean i'm not i'm not generally huge into those kinds of stories but if they're done well it's great but like it just always kind of smacks of first of all we've gotten this before from dan slot like like we we've we've seen these stories and 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 like his events all kind of come back to this and and when he does these events that he that are clearly so inspired by this one thing it just kind of reads and i I, you know i apologize for this term because i know it's used derogatory a lot of times it reads like fan fiction you know like like let's 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 do something better than that you know And, and and i don't you know, we'll see. But uh, right now, after this issue, I just don't know if we're going to get something that elevates beyond, you know, Dan Slott marrying his his two great pop culture loves in terms of, you know, quirky British sci-fi and Spider-Man. I you know, like I just don't know. Don't well, know if well, he can I, elevate that. I think I think you hit it on the head. You know, those stories can be good if they're done well. And and I think that's the other problem with this issue is that it's not particularly done well. And and I don't want to keep hitting this, you know, uh, on this, but Dan Slott as well. But 
I, I was hoping after the first issue, you know, we had talked that that issue was kind of a setup issue and it got Peter Parker all caught up with what was going on. But not only do we get so much exposition in this tale that we are we already know about, we're reliving the events of just the issue prior through dialogue. But Peter is also, again, a secondary character in his own story. You've got Kane and, and Gwen who know so much more than him, and he's just going to have to continually get caught up every issue. Uh, I, you know, if you're going to want to hook me on this, you got to give the protagonist something to do. Yeah, agreed. Not, not just react to things. Yeah, and 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 it's this weird, weird um, accumulation of both too much exposition parts and then not enough exposition. Like, I mean, if we can start breaking down some of the finer points here. Yeah, sure. Like, I mean, I mean, the intro with Kane. I mean, like, okay. We saw King kind of like emerge from his other cocoon, right? During Spider Verse, was that the last we yeah, saw of Kane? Yeah, like fist punches out of the cocoon. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, you know, here he is. Like we haven't seen hide or hair of this guy in in how long? In over a year, two years? I, I'm trying to remember when Spider Verse finished up, um, and now. Here we are, like, you know, he's running around the first few pages of this story, talking to a character off panel that we don't know about. Um, Did you as find if, that really difficult to read? I had to read it like three yeah, times to figure out what was happening. It was difficult to read because I didn't know who he was talking to. And then it was difficult to read because I was also thinking like, oh, crap, it's Kane, And it's like we have no explanation of. What he's doing, how he's here, what exactly is going on? I mean, I'm not saying to just drop everything full stop and 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 exposit about, you know, well, I survived this and then this happened, but like you literally left it where it was like kind of hanging in the balance about whether or not we would ever see this character again, and it's like to have him just show up in like full action pose with no context whatsoever was very. Um, disconcerting as a reader. Like it took me right out of it because it just immediately made me start like thinking about other things uh, beyond what I should be reading and seeing on the page. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I, and I imagine in the next Amazing Spider-Man issue, we're going to get that backstory. Um, right. You know, but, but are you going to care about it then? No. And, and I mean, we saw the same thing with with Doc Ock in in Clone Conspiracy One, and then the follow up in Amazing Spider Man, where, and you know, I, I'm not trying to jump to conclusions and judge something before it's been officially released, but you know, our criticism with that last issue of Amazing Spider Man was like, you know, this was a flashback story full of exposition that could have been accomplished in the span of two to three pages in Clone Conspiracy when he showed up, and instead we got this full. Very decompressed issue of that was you know ended up being a very uninteresting un, you know non compelling story. Um, we'll probably get something similar if if you know the solicits are to be trusted and we're going to get the the story of Kane in the next one. It's kind of like why not just why not just give us a couple of pages of explanation and maybe save other elements of this story for another day and or not do it at all. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> you know? I happen to know that the next scene, or I think that the next scene, 
could have been exactly where you could have cut pages from because not only do we do we get you know this small fight between Spider-Man and and Doctor Octopus, we have four pages of a twenty-page issue spent reliving what we just read in the issue prior. Yes, absolutely. That is so frustrating to me. Yeah, I mean this this Spider-Man this Doc Ock resurrection has been one of the most drawn out resurrections I've ever seen. And that's coming from someone who's led a lot of, read a lot of Bendis comics in his day. Um, because it's like, you know, we had, you know, we, we had all the teases leading up and then we finally had the, the, the issue with the, with the fight with the living brain. And then we had clone conspiracy one where he shows up. And then we just had the last amazing Spider-Man where we get more story. And now we get, story recapping those other stories and it's like he's back okay can we just move forward with this character why what like like i get it dan slot you love doc ock he's your favorite villain you love writing him you write him well but like for the for the love of pete <laughs> haha just just move on with the story already like like you know like and why it also reca- robs the joy of seeing him because you're sick of him by now yeah exactly like there's no thrill to this anymore you know and like and, and and like I, like, you know what's where's the, where's the shock and awe from Peter seeing Doc Ock for the first time since he expunged him from his body or whatever you want to call it? You know what I mean? Like it's it's like this this has been such a slow hammer to fall that there, there's no shock. There's no you know even from the characters. It's like well, oh they're, yeah, they're too busy reading each other's Wikipedia pages to each other. Well, exactly. Yeah. Don't well, you know? I was in the living brain, and now I'm hired as as the brains of the jackal's outfit. And God, yes, we know, we know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so then, so then, uh, you know, we've got the jackal who shows up and kind of cancels the f- fight, and kind of surprisingly tells everyone to like back off and and let you know Spider Man talk to him because he wants to tell him what he's doing. I'm not doing something evil. I'm doing something good specifically for you. And I want to tell you about it. And they have a kind of an interesting back and forth. I I thought it was kind of fun to read the, you know, like the acknowledging of the new costume and, and things like that. But I I guess this could be a good time to bring it up. Um, To me, like, you know, he has these duplicates. He calls dupe. Um, this issue to me almost makes me think there's not a mystery about who's behind the mask. Like it was so like matter of factly Miles Warren, like d- does it make you – are you still interested in it? I mean is there even a mystery being teased here? Yeah, I mean you know, like I said, but I think the last go-round um, – my issue with this mystery, especially if it's not a mystery, is then we just need to have something with Warren putting on the headdress or something like that just to kind of put this to rest. And we're not getting that. And it's like, so is it or is it not? And and we're getting to the point now where I'm losing interest. It's like it's, you know, it's revisiting the Green Goblin crap when Green Goblin when there, wasn't there that one scene during Superior where Carly Cooper like confronts him and he's like, I'm Norman Osborn. And, and even then we're still like, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he doth to protest too much. 
Yeah, and and you know, yes, it's Norman. You know, we always make the joke Norman Osborn with the face transplant. But you know, at this point, I think it's set up to be something. If 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 there is a if there is a there there, the there is going to be something equally um, mundane and innocuous. Like, oh, it's Miles Warren who's been disfigured or something, or he has the carry on virus, or you, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's. I, I think it's time to move on. I think I, I think, you know, s- speculating that it's Norman Osborn, it's Ben Riley, it's it's um it's I don't know Peter from the future or whatever. I, I I think we're gonna be sorely disappointed if that's what we're banking on. So um, I, that's my I just position. Think that there's no there's no mystery being teased about it. Like right, it's just a guy in a mask, and and that's up to you. And, you know, he even says, like, you get more respect as, like, an Egyptian god than you do as a fuzzy green Muppet. Is that what he says? Uh, or Yoda uh, or something. Yeah, fuzzy he, Yoda and a Speedo, you know? And, like, yeah. That's funny. But then I'm like, yeah, so it's clearly Miles Warren. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if the point is to kind of throw water on that fire, but I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so... The man in red or the jackal or whoever it is right. uh, reveals to Spider-Man – what does he reveal to him, Mark? Well, he's got like this this gallery of – a room filled with all of his old dead foes, you know? It's like – You mean it wasn't like a painting he had on the wall of – No, of no. Spiders? I mean it was, a very, it was a beautiful spread by, 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 um, by Chung, but um, no, it was not a painting. They were apparently alive, and and, and you were there, <laughs> and you were there, and you and and the rose was there, and a hobgoblin was there, and jack o' lantern was there, and <laughs> and a an ox was there. was there. Right. Well, that could have could I I was thinking about. I know we were talking about this offline earlier. Was could that be Alistair, Alistair Smythe? Wasn't that like his last look before he got the death penalty? I, I get I guess but like is there DNA in there like if you, no I know I know wouldn't and he and he and it, wouldn't he when he resurrected him he would resurrect his body not like a spider slayer like <laughs> how do you clone a spider slayer I, I yeah, fair enough okay. um, <laughs> but um, it's an existential question for the ages right and you were asking also who's the Green Goblin maybe it's Bart Hamilton that was um, my thought that's a good guess. Um, Who is the Hobgoblin? Well, that's it's got to be Ned Leeds because I was originally saying it could be Jason Massendale, but there was Jack O' Lantern there, so that's got to be Jack O' Lantern. But what what is Ned Leeds thinking right now? He's like, I was never the Hobgoblin. Yeah, I mean, you know, he 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 just dressed up as him once, right? Wasn't that kind of what we concluded? What what was concluded by Roger Stern? Like, I don't think he actually ever did Hobgoblin things. Or could it be? Oh, wait. Could it be Daniel Kingsley? That was the other thought I had. I guess that would make sense. Um, and then there's like Tarantula One. Um, pre, big... pre becoming a giant spider. Yes. Um, well, the giant spider is what killed him, I believe, right? He gets squished. Yeah. Um, there's the big man. That's a nice little deep cut. I like that. I like the Frederick, big man. That's a cool character. Frederick Foswell. Um and uh yeah so so characters like that uh when did the what happened to the mirage did he die again i always get confused he died like like 10 times he showed up uh, in uh superior Superior foes right (laughs) talking about how many times he's died Uh, okay good i'm just making sure here 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think right. he was alive prior to this, but All I right. think people don't treat superior foes as canon. No. <laughs> Sad. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so what what do you think about? Jackal's master plan here. I mean, you know, we bring all these characters together. We get this really cool visual of it, and they don't do anything because they're basically being brought to heel by the Jackal because what? Because of pills and what, uh, like parole officers in the form of Captain Stacy and uh, Gene DeWolf and 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 these other law type people. Um, I guess so. I, I have two feelings about this. I think one in the positive and one in the negative. Uh, I don't really understand what the jackal's like goal with this is, um, and I think that's yet to be revealed. Um, yeah. I have some theories about it that we can talk about, um, and so that I'm kind of like it's kind of squishy for me. I'm like, eh, I don't really know what this means or like what. Like what is going to come of this, and maybe that's a good thing. Um, but what I do think is interesting about it is, um, you know, it kind of is a, um, the next step in uh, uh, Peter's, you know, uh, uh, plans for reforming villain, you know, previous villains like Clash and Electro, whose powers he was going to remove and and try mm-hmm. to reintegrate into society. And so, you know, my suspicion is that this story is going to go down the route of. Peter becoming seduced by the man in red's plan and that it is actually a natural extension of his plan without knowing um, the, you know, the unintended consequences of that vis-a-vis this zombie carrion army of some sort, which that part doesn't interest me. But as an extension of like Peter's own ethos, there is something interesting going on here. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that would make sense because I feel like, like Peter's, the idea of Peter getting seduced, which I think is the perfect terminology for it. I mean, like Slot has been playing with this for as long as he's been with, you know, working on the character. He he loves to explore these stories of of how Peter, you know, Peter's guilt being more of a weakness than than an actual driving force behind his heroism. You know what I mean? It's it's he he view, you know it's 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 a it's a liability. Because it allows him to to make mistakes, and you know, like we saw with um, Superior, that epic mindscape battle in Superior Spider-Man number nine. You know, he admits to not letting Doc Ock do the surgery on the girl for half a second, and that's what causes the world to crumble around him. I mean, these are these are things that that Slot plays with a lot. So, you know. It, it, it would make sense that he would want to tell a story where you know Peter thinking he's doing good because he's you know he's being faced with his own failings and shortcomings as a hero would become almost like not the villain but uh a driving force for for the conflict of the story but but yeah i mean but what's the ultimate upshot uh, a carry on zombie army or or I, whatever I, I i don't know and and like I said, having like, you know, playing around with the time stream again and, you know, this is what's going to happen because we know. And uh, 
<laughs> well, you I don't know, like that I know as a reader. Like, that I can piece that together and basically tell you what, like, I mean, I don't know that this is the arc that's coming up, but it seems very clear to me that that's where it's headed. Like, I want to be surprised along the way, and I think there's a real, um, like, misstep in terms of point of view in this comic and in this story, because I don't think we're experiencing this so much through Peter's point of view. We're given so much knowledge that Peter doesn't have, uh, and and to me, not only reading him catching up on that is boring, but also knowing what he doesn't know is is boring. And And I know that I said, you know, the Alfred Hitchcock bomb under the table thing here, but mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily that this stuff is creating suspense, you know, uh, for me more than it is kind of like revealing too much, you know. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, there, there's there's a version of this where, you know, there's no zombie army in the beginning and we just see Kane show Peter's, you know, picture at the end and that creates suspense, you know. But I feel like I have the whole path of this thing you know laid out Gwen is going to turn into a zombie that's going to turn everybody in Horizon University into a zombie and we're going to get another big global chase thing uh, like we did during Spider Island or something like that so and the and the and the and the lizard story and yeah you know like we yeah we get this a lot Um, again we could be wrong Um, right so so um, uh, and I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead here but so what's your takeaway with spider gwen showing up because i mean if i if i may issue an opinion first i mean this this spider gwen from you know and we even have oh you're spider gwen from earth 65 you know just in case in case the story wasn't expositiony enough um you know we have to explain what what dimension she comes from i, I mean this this seems like the most inappropriate insertion i could come up with not not inappropriate may not be the right word but unexpected and like this does nothing for me like like i love reading about spider gwen in jason latour and and robbie rodriguez's work right now i i really don't need spider gwen in amazing spider-man stuff right now is that that fair i'm right there with you enough that like we should have seen this coming last issue but like i was so not in that mindset that it was kind of surprising here and again, this is going to come down to, I guess, personal preference, but it was not something that thrilled me um, because, again, I'm not thrilled by the multiverse, but I also, like, kind of want this story to be more insular than it is. Because it's like, why is she even involved in this? And, and like, just the sheer visual of, like, Gwen in her night night that Gwen Stacy died attire like all of a sudden like busting out kung fu and stuff it's like you know meanwhile like you know in in the world of spider gwen she's this kind of you know neo-punk teenager wearing you know a hoodie and sneakers and stuff like that and it's like you know and that's that's what i associate with the character and it's like why why would she be like what's what's her incentive to to be involved in this scheme of Keynes or whoever is to, to, you know, for this story, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. And I, and I know that there's going to be people out there that like that she shows up, but, and and I, and I would, there's nothing technically wrong with it. It's just not what I was looking forward to. 
Oh, on a, on a, on a semi-related note, I do want to just throw in my dig. Like, you know, I did like a few pages earlier where it was like, I forget which character it was, but it was like, oh, we, there's a, there's a mystery character here. To find out who it is, read Silk number thir- 13 or in, in two weeks or whatever it was. And it's just like, stop doing this to me, Marvel. You know, like, just, just give me the story where you're going to give me the story. Like, like, like they, they did this with Spider-Verse and I felt like it, it, it really cheapened it. You know, like Spider Island was one thing when it came to the tie-in books because I felt like all of those books really kind of told their own story and and yeah there was some crossover here and there but like you could just read each book individually and enjoy it and and not have you know you picked up the other books because you wanted to keep reading this story it wasn't because you were basically being you know compelled to do it you know and 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 well, this they, to me they, is did, a- they didn't cut short scenes in order to advertise it to you like here, there's, about a whole, yeah. there's a whole page for just setting that up and right. then with no payoff. And so it's yeah. just like, look, you got to give us money to find out who it is. And we know who it is. It's Maddie Franklin, which, OK, right. that could be interesting. But like, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't pay money to be advertised to. And when half of your book is is exposition and advertising – you know, I mean, how do you want us to respond to this? Right, I agreed. But anyway, back back to back to Gwen, um, if we can, yeah. So, um, yeah, having her there was I, just kind of out of the ordinary. What about uh, Captain Stacy, like kind of freaking out over it? I mean, that 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 strikes me. That struck me as an odd character beat, right? I mean, yeah, and maybe it was just that the art was like super intense. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. They, he puts a gun right to her head, like two feet away from her. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, like even yeah, you know, that's not that George Stacy I know. Even if it's even if he felt it was an imposter of his daughter, he wouldn't uh, threaten to blow her brains out over it, right? I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that whole section of the book is just straight exposition, like plot you know over character it's it's everything that we've become frustrated with in this title yeah and then and then to have the payoff of the real gwen or whatever you want to call her the clone gwen you know jackal's gwen or you know the man in red's gwen being webbed up in the back of a trunk of a car like what a well, I'll, I'll I'll use the shirt so you don't have to bleep me, Dan. But what an effed up visual, man! Like that's 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 awful. Like what is up with that, right? Like she, she's like, not that, even, she's not even like like bound and gagged or something. She's like literally like stuck to the base of the car, right? Like you know, yeah, I know Kane is like the deranged you know, love, loveless clone of Peter, but like, that's dark even for him, man. Like she's not a hostage, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, so th- 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 on top of that, there seems to be some caution that they have regarding her getting to a phone of some sort. Um, yeah. and then there's the implication with the end where he says like Parker industries tech is what causes this, you know, like whatever end of the world to happen. So I'm wondering if this carrion virus, which I imagine is the carrion virus, uh, it somehow spreads through webware. Uh, it was that. Was that the thing that? Did you get that out of this? 
Yeah, that's a good. That's a that's as good as take as any, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, like, the end of the book is obviously like them being like she's about to go zombie if we don't get her the medication, uh, and. And then Daryl shows up with a bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then, so then, like, we find out that Kane apparently has been ho- multiverse hopping and has gone through this a number of times. And the result is that, I guess, Peter's uh, company merging with New You causes the end of the world or this zombie outbreak. Um, I read a lot of people online saying, like, even like IGN wrote an article like um, a new villain, a surprising new villain revealed in the pages of the clone conspiracy. And they're referring to Peter being the villain of this story. And I don't think that's the case. I just think that they're using it as a like, you know, it's, it's an example. Like this is who Peter could become is this, you know, character that unwittingly causes this breakout or whatever. Is or that is your take? Peter- Oh, yeah. Or is Peter the man in red? Oh, please. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, but I, who, who knows? I, I don't even want to – I'm not even going to bother to speculate in this episode, which I know people <laughs> really want us to do. And we do have uh, those speculations to go through. People have been calling in. If you have speculations about who the man in red is, call us at 9 Red Goblin uh, and, and let us know. we got a couple of those. We're going to be playing those on the next episode of the show. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm done. I put my hat in. It's Norman Osborn, and I could be wrong, but... Uh, and you're sticking to it. Yeah, I'm sticking to it. I'm 100% on board that, but my, I, my confidence has been wa- wavered a little bit by this issue, and it's very non-interest in giving us clues. <laughs> All right. Well, do you uh, anything else on this issue you want to oh, hit on before... It was fine. Like I said, I, I I did enjoy the spread of all the villains, and I, I think I think Chung is serviceable. I mean, there's nothing kind of like showstoppery about the art on this book, you know. Like I don't know. I mean, we got that to some degree with with when while for as long as he was on it with Quopel with with Spider Verse. I mean, like it really that I felt that really elevated things and made it more event like. Um, I, I don't get that as much from 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 this, but yeah, um, I don't think he's able to elevate it, and I think he's stuck, you know, doing what Coypel and Common Coley had to do during Spider Verse, which is just draw a bunch of talking heads standing around a room. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and to that point, you know, when he does do action, it's 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 really strong. Um, and but one thing I did want to say is I think the man in red, his man in red, is really creepy. Um, yes. I, I love the reveal image of all those villains because he kind of reveals it like a game show host with his arm extended. Uh, right. I, I thought that was a nice little moment there. But, I, yeah, I, I find this book's art kind of cold and and alienating. Um, right. There's not much, you know, like cartooniness to it, which I, I kind of like in my Spider-Man books. It gives it like a little more character. Like we talked to Stegman, you know. Uh, uh, right. About. Yeah. Yeah. This is much more in the like hyper real World, but I will say it's cleanly presented, and um, the imagery is really uncluttered. Which you know, for all these characters, that I, I think that's a, a major plus for it. And I definitely feel he goes more with like the Ramita esque Gwen, which again feels kind of disconnected from the fact that this was supposed to be Spider Gwen. Yeah, it's kind of dated. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, but it's also like, I mean, I don't know. Like, to me, Spider Gwen has such a such a new wave verve to it, and yeah. you know. Oh, she had. She mentioned here that she got extensions. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, you want to go with the grade? I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a C minus. And I'm right there with you, C minus. All right. Well, uh, Dan, why don't why don't we do a little friendly neighborhood Spider Talk members club sidebar here? Hey everyone, Dan here to remind you about our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club, our special club for Spider-Man fans that helps us keep our show going. Members of the club are entered into raffles for cool prizes, they get weekly free digital comics, and they are mailed all kinds of awesome goodies, including t-shirts, mugs, backpacks, comics, and much more. Today we're doing another raffle for all the members of the club, and it's a really cool one. I think you're really going to like it. One of our members will win a copy of The Death of Gene DeWolf in its awesome black hardcover edition. This is a super awesome collection with really top quality pages and a beautiful binding. It's a great book. However, even better than all of that is that we got it personally signed by the writer Peter David himself. So if you want to be entered to win a copy of this one-of-a-kind book, you've got two weeks to join our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk members club by clicking on the logo on superiorspidertalk.com. Thanks again for all the members who help keep our show going. It's only with your support that we're able to do all the awesome things we do on our site and podcast. Okay, now back to the show. Well, you know what that song means. It's time for Swarm's B-Title Reviews, where we review all the B-Title books with the help of our uh, co-host, Swarm. So, uh, Mark is, uh, I hate, I, you know, I, I mean, I th- it's weird that we're inviting this villain to do us with us, but, uh, you know, he is our, he is our host. So, uh, Mark, is Swarm, is Swarm there with you today? I don't hear any bees. Well, you know, it's funny. And just to your first point, yes, you know, it's weird that we have this villain, but, I, you know, he was he was who our our listeners voted for. So we have to accept him as our as our co-host. Um, but um, no, surprisingly, I, I, I got I got a tweet from Swarm. He likes to tweet, you know, um, and uh, let me hold on. Let me get my cell phone out. It's from about three thirty in the morning earlier today. Um, and he said, um, Hey loser. Um, I I'm out celebrating. Won't be on the show tonight. Sad. And that's it. (laughs) Well, he was telling me to check out a video about like bee mating rituals. It was really awkward. Yeah, I know. I know. Something about 
Yeah, forget it. <laughs> so, so no, there's so there's no swarm today. He's 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 he says he's very excited um, about recent developments in the geopolitical world order. Um, so he's probably out having I, drinks with Flash Thompson. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Flash is probably happy too. Uh, <laughs> um. So uh, we're just going to do the reviews. Um, it's been a while since we did this because we had the the, Steg- the Ryan Stegman interview where we didn't have one. So if some of these books seem a little like I think there's some older issues of, of books here from what the current issue is. But just bear with us. We'll be back in two weeks and we'll we'll be caught back up by then. So um, where would we start with Carnage number 13 here, Dan? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, you want me to start or? Uh... Yeah, go for it, Mark. I'm going to count you in. Carnage 13 in three, two, one. So there's definitely a bit of treading water theme to this issue, but I also like that it's probably the most explicit look at the titular character that we've received in a while. Uh, I think we really needed something that has been more Carnage centric, uh, despite the fact that I've always kind of joke that he's a flimsy character uh but but jerry conway's technique of following conway uh, following carnage's arc uh through the lens of rays i thought was very effective narrative tool and allowed me to see the character both from the perspective of someone who is physically close to carnage but also as kind of that disconnected distant third-party observer uh mike perkins artwork always continues to deliver its dark monster magazine inspired visuals uh so overall after a couple of up and down issues i think this was a pretty strong bounce back for me and i'm gonna say buzzworthy awesome um all right dan why don't you return the favor in three two one yeah i'm continuing to enjoy carnage although i imagine uh you know this will read a lot better when it's collected in trade form um i think each issue is kind of really begun to dive into specific character beats, memories, and influences, in this case, Ray's. Um, and I think it'll play really well as a larger tapestry of issues rather than as solo issues. But um, to that point, um, you know, I'd recommend checking out this issue, but I think if you really want to get the bang for your buck, read it as a book. And I, I agree with you, Mark. I think Mike Perkins' art and layouts are stellar in this issue. Um, you know, Carnage's world is collapsing around him, and Mike Perkins draws it both physically and psychically, really in an interesting way. Um, the character of Ray is also, I thought, got some much needed characterization here. She tries to fight off Carnage's control. So, color me interested in how this whole thing wraps up. Buzzworthy for me. Yay. All right, next up, we're going to talk about the Halloween issue of Spider Gwen. That's number 13. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I guess this was. Take this took place in between her adventures with Kane, or uh, or right before, I guess, right? Well, here's the crazy thing: is she has spider powers in in uh, in Clone Conspiracy, but she does not have spider powers in her own title. So, uh, tell me about that, Ma- Mark. Magic. All right, three, <laughs> two, one. Um, Spider Gwen has been on an unquestioned role the last few months, and this little Halloween-inspired issue for me was no different. 
Uh, Jason Latour's script was filled with unbridled joy as Gwen and the girls travel to an abandoned carnival run by this universe version of Mysterio. Uh, but in addition to being a lot of fun and filled with spooky pop culture references, I, I also thought Robbie Rodriguez is always stellar artwork uh, delivered. Um, and also I felt that this issue gave us the closest glimpse we've gotten so far of the Mary Jane since Gwen's debut in what, 2014? You know, as great as the superhero drama has been in Spider-Gwen recently and all the things with the Punisher and and uh, the Kingpin and her father, uh, I do think the dynamic between Gwen and the girls needs to uh, shouldn't be neglected. I I really enjoyed it here. Um, hopefully, the creative team can continue to mine it, uh, even if it's not in the context of a Scooby Doo parody. So I'm saying buzzworthy. Yeah, <laughs> I love the, the Mary Janes. Betty is someone not to be messed with. Definitely not. All right, Dan. Well. You don't take up your 60 seconds yet until I say three, two, one. Yeah, Mark, I mentioned on a previous episode how fun and funny I thought this particular Halloween-centric issue of Spider-Gwen was. I mentioned the Mysterio face mask thing. Now that you've actually read that, did you think that was funny? Oh, that was great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I I thought this issue was also a solid come down from the uh, dramatic height to the previous issue, but... um, it still managed to further Gwen's kind of primary narrative as well. She's still powerless, which means that her expanded cast gained a lot of attention here. And uh, with Mysterio's powers, you know, we got a sharper glimpse also of Gwen's own kind of like uh, like guilt and twisted psyche. Um, and uh, I thought the crazy visuals of Mysterio really allowed Robbie to stretch himself to deliver really like psychedelic artwork. That was a lot of fun. So uh, this one's buzzworthy for me too. Good. All right. Well, now we're on to Silk 13. All right, Mark. You liked the last one, so uh, let's see how you felt about this one in three, two, one. Well, thanks for that setup, Dan, because I was uh, definitely way too kind on that last issue of the series. I don't know. I must have been feeling kind to Silk. Uh, Because, I mean, having two issues in a row of this wacky negative zone slash Game of Thrones universe just feels so out of whack and to have this be like the resolution for this story that we have been following with cindy and silk from her inception as a character seems like an even stranger decision uh ultimately my biggest problem with this issue and and just this arc and this series and silk period uh is there's just no consistency i mean what 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 is this comic trying to be is it this over-the-top fantasy with dragons and lords and ladies or a spider-man spin-off book like spider-gwen is or miles morales uh is it this kind of twee hashtagging uh story that like kind of like what back dc was doing with batgirl for a while i you know i i can't say that this book it tries to do all these things but doesn't do any of them successfully all the way and for that reason alone this book is really struggling for me so i'm saying nine I'm just now remembering that there was a castle with knights and the goblin knights in some of the earlier issues of Silk. So, so like, I don't know what this is, but Robbie Thompson seems very uh, motivated by lords and ladies. Lords and lasses. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, it's your turn in three, two, one. Like I said last issue, Mark, what the hell is this book? <laughs> what in the world was Robbie Thompson thinking that the payoff of his multi-volume title Central Mystery is a bizarre fantasy battle that tells us nothing about Silk's parents? It, like their decision to go into the negative zone like, and they're gone all these years, it's just kind of rendered moot 
but now they're these generals in an army fighting dragons. What? And then before all that's even done and dealt with, they're ushered back into the background again to kind of be forgotten. And there's the end of that story. I've championed elements of this book before, but I have no idea how to move past this incredibly bizarre choice. It's My whole life is hanging on this, Mark, so I'm saying <laughs> nine. Nine, 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 nine. Yeah, moving past this bizarre choice seems to be a theme <laughs> of uh. the week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, let's talk about Civil War 2, number 6, Mark. I want to know what you thought about it in 3, 2, 1. Well, I've, I've been hammering on this series from the get-go, but I, I, I kind of like this issue. I mean, more than others, at least. I mean, it per, cer- certainly provides some context for how, like, the champions came together vis-a-vis Miles. But overall, even with my event fatigue, I enjoy that this event comic is kind of meta about that we all have event fatigue. Uh, beyond that, David Marquez puts forward one of the strongest issues to date visually. Uh, I, I would love to see him just do a book without Bendis attached. I, I, I don't know why I need to see him away from Bendis, but I, I really love David Marquez's artwork and maybe uh, seeing him away from a decompressed storyteller is part of it. Um, I mean, Civil War II is still, I feel, one of the weakest events we've had in a while, but this volume, at least, to me, was... was a, a, bit better than the rest so i'm gonna give it buzzworthy um so dan why don't why don't you respond in kind in three two one what if i don't want to mark (laughs) then you just used up your 60 seconds all right well you know i'm actually gonna build on your point about the meta narrative of this series um i like the idea that these characters are kind of pushing back against the idea that they'll behave differently just because they were prophesized to do so. That's kind of the problem with events in general. They value story over character. And here at least it seems that the characters are pushing back against that notion, desiring to claim their own control for themselves. Um, And that leads to a really tantalizing final page of this issue that has me really eager to see what happens next. I've always, I think, been a little more positive on, on... the, this flawed series than others, but um, with this issue like this one, I, I don't think it can be completely dismissed. So I'm saying buzzworthy. Yeah. We got the yeah. new series Prowler. That's a tie-in to uh, the Clone Conspiracy, Mark. Um, yeah, Hobie Brown gets Hobie his own Brown. book. Finally, were you, were you excited for this book? Um, I was curious. All right, well, let's see how that paid off in three, two, one. Yeah, I, I definitely was curious, but, I, I, you know, after reading it, I can't help but think back to when Spider-Woman launched in the throes of Spider-Verse a few years ago, and it was kind of a lackluster debut, and I, I, unfortunately, I think the same can be said here for Prowler. I mean, uh, and, and I'm furthering, and unfortunately, unlike Jessica Drew, I just don't think there's enough of a legacy or history with Hobie Brown to hold much interest if the series doesn't function as anything more than just a sidebar to Dead No More. I mean, Prowler number one, unfortunately, it's, it's a rather uninspiring re- reintroduction to the character that goes over some fairly old ground, and, and more importantly, it doesn't really have anything in terms of a hook to speak on beyond of, hey, kids, you were about this character a couple of times in a Dan Slot comic. I, I mean, I'm going to stick with this thing for now, but uh, this was not the best start here if you were curious to see uh, what Marvel was going to pull off with a series with such a tertiary character like I was. Um, so I'm going to say nine. Nine, 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 nine. 
mean, not to extend beyond my time, but it's kind of like with superior foes. I was definitely curious, like, what the hell is Marvel going to do with this book? And then I opened it up and was like, what a pleasantly great series, you know, like what yeah. a surprise. I and think I we like, were both they... dubious about su- superior foes before it started. Yeah. And then with Prowler, I mean, I don't know if I was dubious, but it was like, how is Hobie Brown going to carry his own series? All right. I'm, I'm, I, w- I want to see this. And then I was like, oh, this, this really feels like a B book right now, like a big B book. But you go now. Sorry, Dan. Three, two, one. Well, I agree with everything you said, Mark. Um, this is just not really a good way to launch a series. It really gave me no reason to come back for more other than my interest in the clone conspiracy. Um, and I think the primary problem is I can't really tell you much about Hobie or his goals. Um, I thought that the cover to this issue is more tantalizing than almost anything contained within. You know, there's – I mean don't get me wrong. There's good, there's good dialogue and writing here. It puts us in Hobie's head you know, quite well, you know, and, and I like the artwork. But there was a ton of repetitive exposition seeming like it couldn't really push much further because it would reveal more about the clone conspiracy. Um, I I just can't imagine why Marvel decides to launch new books this way. The power of event arcs must be more than I'm willing to concede. It must sell a lot of these books for them to do this because I'm saying nine. Nine, 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 nine. Uh, Yeah, I mean – Go back to our interview with Dennis Hopeless. I mean, wasn't that more or less kind of what Nick Lowe promised him if he started up on Spider-Woman in Spider-Verse? It was like, come on book, come on the book. You get a number one issue that jumps sales, but also it's in the middle of a big event, which boosts sales even more. And then once you get through with that, you can start telling the story you want to tell. Uh, so, how yeah. many people do you talk to that – that won't read Spider-Woman because they picked up those first issues and were like, this is not for me. Yeah, I know. I, it's, 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 it seems like an odd strategy, but I guess if you can, if you can get, uh, uh, you know, 50% spike in sales because it's connected to another thing, it makes up for when the sales inevitably dip again, because I don't know, there's a Spider-Woman outside of a number one issue of a Spider-Woman not connected to Spider-Verse are you going to be moving more than 20,000 issues at a time anyway? You know, like, I mean, who's going to buy a Prowler series without it being connected to something? That's true. That's probably true. I mean, I would have, but I'm a sucker. So what are you going to yeah, do? Yeah. I mean, I mean, even, even going back to a few minutes ago with superior foes, I mean, it was connected to superior Spider-Man, you know, like that was the, the larger hook. Right. Right. Um, so but you, it wasn't so a you, story couched within another story. No, no. But I'm just saying like, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know how Deadly Foes of Spider-Man sold in the 90s. Probably well because it was the 90s. Um, but, you know, in, in, in 21st century terms, I don't think a book with Boomerang and, and Lady Beetle as the leads would, would even sell 10,000 copies without a, without a hook, you know? Like, no, at least, at least you're that. probably right. Yeah. So, anywho, uh, sorry, we, we're digressing, but it's our show, damn it. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man and Deadpool is next, or Spider-Man slash Deadpool is next. We got the 10th issue here, Mark. I'm going to count you in in three, two, one. All right, Dan, I got a confession to make. Uh, <laughs> this series makes no sense to me. Um, I said it. Um, I, I like Joe Kelly. He's a great storyteller. Uh, but, but this arc 
this book. It's it's winks and nods to one more day. Characters called itsy bitsy. It, this isn't working for me. It's not. I, I I don't get it. Am I just not reading it with the right mindset? Is it because? Despite of some instances on the contrary, I just don't like reading about Deadpool over this much time. And it could be that. Uh, maybe, um, I don't know. There are just like, <laughs> all I'm thinking about is there are like 500 other Marvel characters that Spider-Man could be teaming up with on a monthly basis that I think I'd rather be reading about than Spider-Man Deadpool. And um, I, 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 I just feel that um, this whole storyline is trying to have um, some profound characterization between spider-man and deadpool and seeing things in the same way and one is changing over the other it just doesn't work um so yeah i'm sorry i really really was psyched about this series but i, I don't get it so nine, nine, uh, nine, 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 nine. yeah Confe- confess it, confession heard yeah sorry say That's 10 probably... hail marys yeah thank, thank thank you father dan uh <laughs> Well, uh, how about you in three, two, one? I agree with you again, Mark. You know, I think Joe Kelly writes great dialogue, witty jokes, et cetera, but I just can't really find much to attach myself onto the second arc of this story. I, I thought the first arc was superb, but um, I think my big problem is that um, almost every issue has come down to some big brawl where the two characters trade barbs while fighting some kind of overwhelming force. And, uh, with Itsy Bitsy dispatching uh, Patient Zero in one panel, any of the same mystery surrounding that character seems to have gone out the window, all in service of a joke. And that's just the thing. The joke works, but they aren't enough to sustain a series that's repeating so many of the same plot beats. Uh, I'm ready for this book to, you know, if it's going to explore the characters, do a character story. You don't have to couch it in a fight. I'm saying nine. Nine, 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 nine. That's a great point, Dan, in terms of, like, the jokes. You know, it might be a funny joke, but if it doesn't actually, like, service the story in a meaningful way and it, and it allows it to kind of get into bad habits, then it's really kind of a discredit to the story. <laughs> you know what I mean? To, 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 go, to go tell that joke. So, yeah. Well done, Dan. That was insightful. You got to balance. You got to balance the jokes with the uh, pathos, you know? Yeah. Pathos. We're all full of it. Well, speaking of a perfect <laughs> balance, let's talk about Spider Woman number twelve. All right, Dan. Thank you. Count me in. Three, two, one. So after some pretty high stakes Civil War two induced drama the past few issues, I appreciated this kind of cool down issue from Hopeless and Spider Woman uh number twelve. You know, just a kick-ass superhero, her kid, her clumsy nanny who dresses like a porcupine sometimes, hanging out at the beach and hijinks. Go get the hijinks. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you're looking at it kind of objectively, it's one of those kind of dime a dozen transi- transition stories that, um, you know, they're going to be setting up the Hobgoblin arc, uh, which I know has officially started as of this episode. Um, and I read that issue, and I think it's a great issue, too. Um, but... Uh, Regardless, I think um, it takes a lot for the series to let me down right now. Um, so like always, I, I suggest you stick with it here uh, through this kind of cool down issue. So I'm going to say buzzworthy. All right, Dan, you now may go in three, two, one. Mark, I can't express how great it was to read an issue like this after the Civil War II tie-in that I think I was pretty vocal about disliking. Um 
This is Spider-Woman back to its best, fun, emotional stories full of interesting characters and scenarios. Even if it is that transition story, I think these done-in-ones are, like, probably the best thing that Spider-Woman does. Um, I love Porcupine slash Roger slash Spider-Woman's nanny. And uh, this issue is almost solely about him as a parent and as a superhero and how he balances the two just in the same way that Jess does. Um, I thought it was great to bring in a heavy-hitting Spider-Man villain like uh, Sandman to present, like, a huge threat. And um, and I thought the new artist, Veronica Fish, she immediately created her own visual world and language that felt right at home with this kind of interpretation of Spider-Woman. So, you know, I was worried about Javier Rodriguez leaving the book, but I think my fears are all gone. Uh, this one's buzzworthy as well. Nice. Awesome. That was all of our B-books for the time being. Uh, did we agree on every one? Uh, I think so. I think we did. It's a Christmas miracle, Dan. It is a Christmas miracle. Or or a Hanukkah happening. Yes. I think you know, we're, yeah. We're, we're, we're multi-everything multi, uh, here. Yeah. <laughs> crazy uh, Beeve title reviews. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, uh, let's take it home for the holidays. You bet. Well, why don't, you, why don't you do the uh, spiel of the taking home? I will. Okay. You can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts over at our website, superiorspidertalk.com, or I would say my website, because, Mark, you have been absent for quite a while. Uh, a few more weeks, Dan. A few more weeks. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll see you back on there. And, uh, of course, you can find all of Mark and I's podcasts over on uh, all the old iTunes Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And uh, please be sure to leave us a review. We haven't gotten a review in a little while, and I know we've got some new listeners, so head on over to iTunes and punch the five-star button and leave us a little message. We'll read whatever you write. You can write something crazy. We'll read it. I'll even do this weird voice I'm doing right now. Right. But no, um, Dan, if I could sidebar there off of our, our YouTube channel for a second, I, I have to share a story that happened in my, my household tonight. Um, my my five-year-old son has been kind of getting a little overly obsessed with uh, watching uh, videos on his kids' YouTube on, on the iPad that he co-opted from uh, my wife and I. And it was he was misbehaving a bit. And I was totally like not hip to the joke, but my wife like all of a sudden randomly like says to him, you know, like after threatening to take away the iPad, I heard that um, YouTube is shutting down to my child. And, and the first thing I did, I was like, really? And I started thinking to myself, oh, God, what are we going to do about the show on YouTube if, if they just shut down? And she's like, starts, she starts like winking at me like, no, you idiot. I'm trying to get him to get off of YouTube. <laughs> Mark, I'm glad you're so invested in our YouTube presence. I, I, you know, I, I, I visited the channel all of like three times since you put it up and did all that hard work. But you know, hearing that YouTube was going to shut down not only terrified my son, it terrified me. Well, it was, it was probably the most, it was probably the most terrifying thing I've heard this week. And it's been a pretty <laughs> terrifying week. <laughs> but uh, beyond that, be sure to check out our brother podcast, The Ultimate Spin, if you want to keep up with the adventures of miles morales and spider gwen stacy yeah mark uh, next week on the show we're going to be talking about amazing spider-man 21 which i think purports to tell the tale of kane and the returning character carry on 
So I imagine we're going to find out a little bit more about that. Um, but I, I will say I may drop an episode uh, early next week in your feed about Renew Your Vows number one. So keep an eye open for that as well. Mark, where can we find you on the internet? Not on YouTube that's shutting down. <laughs> well, YouTube is shutting down. My son thinks so. Um, well, you could, of course, find me or at least find old writings of mine at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com and on the ChasingAmazingBlog.com. Uh, I just recently re-upped my server fees for that site. where It ain't going anywhere, so you should might as well visit it and uh, you know make me feel like I'm spending my money wisely. Uh, and then, of course, you can find me on Twitter at ChasingASMBlog. Um, you know, baseball season's over. My football team is terrible. The election is over. So I guess, you know, on Twitter, all that's left for me to talk about is comics again. So, um, hallelujah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> for all those people who've like muted me for the last six months, you got me back. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what about you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk. See, I have two different accounts, one for all of my political BS and one for Spider-Man. So uh, Dan Gavazdin is my Twitter account for everything else. You can get some Spider-Man stuff there too. And, uh, yeah, you can find all of my writings, reviews, and stuff on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Uh, you know, Mark, I heard you and your Uncle Ben like to play around in the multiverse, you know, travel oh, yeah. in the multiverse, observing you know. alternate versions of yourself and your friends. What kind of scary alternate visions have you experienced that you'll never forget? Um, I, uh, yeah, well, um, you know, there, there, there was this uh, time – I just want to start by saying when when Uncle Ben and I go around the multiverse, we're kind of like Thelma and Louise. We're like in a in a in a what do you call it? A, a, a car without a top. Um. <laughs> a convertible. <laughs> Thank you. Jeez, Louise. It's it's my brain is done, Dan. Um, and I'm just I'm just riffing until I can get that. But we're going around in our convertible, and but anyway, so as as we're as we're riding around in the Camaro, it's like a Camaro. We're like Guy Fieri going to like diners and stuff. And and you know, speaking of Guy Fieri, have you ever seen the Earth seventy three version of Guy Fieri? No. What is he like? All right. Well, he's kind of like a blonde-haired douchebag who wears sunglasses on the back of his head. So like, like the real Guy Fieri. Yeah, but the difference is instead of going around eating all the diners and, and drive-ins and dives and stuff, he like saw me and my Uncle Ben in our convertible Camaro and then like decided to run us off the road because he's such a douchebag. He's like, hey, I'm Guy Fieri. And on top of these buffalo chicken wings, I'm going to kill you. And, like, all of a sudden, the, the freaking red Camaro is coming at me with his, his blonde hair and the, and, the, and the black roots of his hair. It's like, almost looks like the devil spawn coming at us. And, you know, Uncle Ben, hell of a driver, um, you know, like kind of like does like a hard left and everything. And, and uh, like, turns straight into an oncoming tractor trailer i mean i i was able to jump out of the car because you know i wasn't gonna die like you know like it was terrible but but thanks to earth 73 guy fieri my my uncle ben you know he enjoyed a really wicked matzo ball soup and he died um <laughs> so um you know 
as he died, though, I mean, you know, Uncle Ben, you know, first said, I, I, I should have had the chicken noodle. Um, and then beyond that said, with great podcasts must also come Amazing Spider Talk. Hi, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show, and thanks for joining me here at the very end. At the risk of sounding like someone who considers Spider-Man their religion, and I think some of you probably suspect that I already do, I uh, wanted to uh, end today's show with dialogue from an issue called All New Captain America Super Special Number 1, written by Jeff Loveness. Uh, It's a Spider-Man Inhumans Captain America crossover that... I imagine a few of you read, probably not many, came out earlier this year. Anyway, the, uh, the dialogue from the issue uh, said by Spider-Man reads, We're not just our failures. As much as they hurt, we must learn from them. Then we go out there and we do the best to make up for them, even though we never will. We save people. We save as many as we can to make up for the ones we couldn't. That's all we do. I wanted to read this dialogue because in most Spider-Man stories, the various writers who've written Peter Parker use him to deliver wonderful ethos on life and living. This particular one touched me this week. We're all going to fail at some point, but it's how we pick ourselves back up and do the best we can for the most people that we can that matters. Thanks for indulging me. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you again next week.